two in the books of the NFL season. This is No Love Lost, an AFC North roundtable. I'm joined by Ethan DeVille, the Bengals fan, Jacob Bailey, the Steelers fan, and all of us who are kind of fans of the Ravens after last night. But we'll get down to that. How are you boys doing today? I mean, I'm not feeling great. J-Biz, I don't know how you feel, but uh, I'll start off with that. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm nervous. Not I'm feeling... nervous for our season. I mean, same. Like, obviously not nervous to the extent that I think we would only win three or four games, but nervous to the extent that we might go like nine and eight. And Well, that's yeah. that's why we have week two. You guys to come back down to earth after your big week one wins and Week two is a reality check. Join the one and one club along with you guys with a, a W from my Browns. But we're in week two of football watching now, which means I personally am finally starting to get used to some of the ads. I've got beef with one of the ad campaigns that we've seen now for a couple of years. The Amazon Web Services, the next gen stats that they mm-hmm. do. And I like the, you know, I like the effort to the stats. Like when Baker Mayfield did one a couple of years ago. Christian McCaffrey did that one last season where he's jumping over the pile. But I, they did one on the DeAndre Hopkins, Hale Murray um, game where, and like all the stats to that. And it cuts to the end to this kid watching it with his family. And the family's going crazy. And he's sitting there like, stat that. That's what he says into the camera. Stat that. Like, yeah, this amazing Hail Mary happens. And this 10-year-old is thinking, hmm, I wonder what the catch probability was when it was going through. The, you know, no one's actually thinking that. So it's like Amazon, we get it. We get it. There are all these next-level, next-gen stats, but, like, you don't need them for a lot of things, I think. I think it's a bridge too far. Like, they did one with the Terry McLaurin catch that, like, was so improbable from last week. And, yeah. like, I don't care about the percentages. It's just when you show it in full speed, it's like, wow, what a catch. It's like, wow, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah while we're on the subject i have beef jbiz maybe you have beef with the company too i have beef with flow flow used to be hilarious progressive commercials were great why is she bringing in this whole crew now why are there like seven of them now have you guys noticed that there's like this mm-hmm. whole sitcom thing going on where there's five or six other insurance agents always with her screwing around they're not it's funny. like a whole family it is like a whole thing. It's it's this it's this pompous crew of insurance agents that don't do anything funny. They don't add to Flo's magic, and it's just bumming me out. And ever since they brought Jamie in for the progressive ads, like taking a <sighs> see, I was okay thing. with Jamie at first. Just Jamie, he wasn't that bad. But now he's amplified by the rest of the group, and it's bumming me out. I I, I like Jamie for like the first two, and then I, now it's just I I can't. I just can't anymore. Thankfully, we have Baker Mayfield saving the progressive ad campaign with the different series in Jedrick Wills. I love those commercials. I know some people, it was really bad when he had more commercials than he did wins a couple years that back. PR. But he is such like a, he's the perfect character to be doing The one where like he's that. like talking trash about that other woman with the two other ladies. Yeah. Um, that one's really funny. Like the neighborhood <laughs> yeah. guy. I, I like hated, it. I like it. That I loved it. Yeah, yeah I like it, ads, a, honestly. Because the thing with Baker is I think he's actually a likable enough guy. He seems like he'd be a douche, like just from judging off of how he carries himself. But when you, you know, hear, you hear him talk and you, you see him in more casual situations, he does seem like he'd be like a genuinely nice guy, kind of like a corny, mm-hmm. funny to hang out with. But I, those those are really him on uh, on 10 for sure in those commercials. Yeah, like there's a, I feel like I could get a beer with Baker Mayfield. I don't yeah. think I could get one with, 
Kurt Cousins, for example. That dude's just as corny as it gets. I mean, I love the dude. I love my Joe Burrow, but I don't even know if I can get one with him. He's just a little weird in interviews. I don't know if you guys I don't have seen know if him. Kurt Cousins even drinks beer, bro. Probably he doesn't. He probably church gets... with Kurt Cousins. Yeah. Correct. That's what <laughs> he does. You like that. Talk about your favorite Psalms with him. <laughs> yeah, ask if you like that. <laughs> wow. Exactly. Kurt Cousins. You like, like that? The definition of mediocre. <sighs> All that money. I know we're getting off subject no of AFC, but there are money. some guys that I just don't know how you how do you sign a guy like that to a massive deal? How do you go? He's it. This is who I want. Kirk Cousins. It's it goes back to what we were talking about last week. You be you become a realist and you think, oh, we're never gonna get Patrick Mahomes, we're never gonna get Tom Brady. And you look around and you're like, oh, Kirk is okay. You do. You settle with like <laughs> the 17th best guy in the league and you say, let's sign him to a five-year 90 million dollar deal. But it Fuck happens. It. <laughs> the other thing I saw, I actually saw on a Friday night, and I want to know if you guys did this. So I, I could be screwing up his name. I think it was Shadir Sanders, who is like Deion Sanders, one of Deion Sanders' sons that plays for him at Jackson State. Um, do you guys? I saw his tweet. Do you guys know what a flat lay is? Are you familiar with that term? No, so it's no, like a, I wasn't familiar until my wife educated me earlier this year. It's been very popular on Instagram when you lay out all your clothes. Like your, you know, from your shirt to your socks to your jacket, but it's all laid out very specifically. Kind of how Kanye did when he was laying out his black clothes with like the Nike socks. And everyone's like, oh, Nike socks. That was a flat lay. Well, Shadir Sanders posts on his Twitter a flat lay of his entire uniform for the, ne- the game day the next day. And it brought me back because that's the same exact thing I used to do when I was like in elementary school. I would yeah. I would get so geeked about playing in my game the next day that I would put jersey, shorts, socks, like shoes, put them all like as if they were I could just dive into my uniform that morning mm-hmm. the next morning when I woke up. Um so I just want to know, am I the only one who did this? J Biz, you were a football player back in the day. Did you lay out your uniform or you play before basketball or anything? Lay it out the Oh, night? absolutely. I planned it all out. I would do that not just with that, but do you remember? with sports or like when we had to dress up for quarterly or some things like that at school, I would do the same thing. I got so excited. Anytime I got to dress up when you were a kid and got to wear a Halloween costume to school. Yeah. I woke up and it was right there, ready to go for me. Uh, but yeah, especially with sports, you had to plan out your, you had to plan out, you had to play out your socks. You had to plan out your, you know, your shirt under the uniform, your, you know, gloves, oh everything. This topic, this topic hits deep for me. Like, yeah, I would flat lay with like my personal, my, like my going to school outfit, but I never did it with uniforms because like our school district was cheap and we did, we didn't have like home or away jerseys. We just had a jersey. So yeah. like I could do it, but it was the same one that I'm getting week after week after week. So it wasn't, it was like, all right, right. this is the same one from, it'd be week eight. And I'd be like, well, same uni combo, CJ blue Bezos. jersey, white pants. Davili, <laughs> I don't think I did it when I was in high school. For me, it was more of a like elementary school, middle school type thing where I'd just be so excited for my game the next day, like barely sleep. You gotta lay it all out. Just like even you. if I had I like only, a four I only o'clock played game. in elementary school. So yeah, it wasn't a problem for me either. Well see that's probably when I peaked athletically. So it was all, all that look good, feel good, play good. <laughs> and I was definitely playing good back then. So I had to be doing the other two as well. So <laughs> let's let's move on to the games. I'm gonna be selfish guys. I'm gonna go first. The Browns Got the W over the Texans. And let me say, like, I'm pleased with this win. Yes, it was a double-digit 10-point win. It was never really in doubt 
uh, once the Browns went ahead, but it seemed way too close. But I just think that's kind of how all NFL games are rarely ever blowouts. So even a team like the Texans with Tyrod Taylor going out in the first half, former Brown, um, even with him going out in the first half, they still were able to kind of hang in tough there. So overall, the th- there are a couple of things I want to remember about this game. One of them being Baker Mayfield almost getting hurt. And it happened because Baker Mayfield is too much of a football player. So last week when they were playing the Chiefs, there was a uh, reverse, an end around where Baker Mayfield got out in, pl- in front and was blocking for Anthony Schwartz like 30 yards down the field. And we think, oh, Baker Mayfield, that man's a football player. Well, in the first half of this game on Sunday, Baker Mayfield threw an interception and then tried to tackle the guy intercepting the football. And it looked far worse initially. It looked like he got his shoulder, his left, his non-throwing shoulder, like injured some sort of way. They said that he got it popped back into place. I don't know if I believe that entirely. It could just be hyperbole. But the fact that he was able to come back and ran for a touchdown the very next drive he played in was pretty good. Um, also, the, I saw a video of the Browns pregame fight in the Muni lot first tailgate for fans and it was brown on brown crime brown like all browns fans out there and it's just very uh it's tough to see you know because like i wonder i feel like we've seen so many of these incidents and it's like are people just not used to being outside anyway i know there are always fights at nfl games and tailgates it seems like there have been more recently have you guys ever seen one of those in person um Um, i've seen like some really mild ones yeah, me and Beef saw a big one. So when we were living together, him and I, he like got tickets randomly to go to like a uh, Bengals Bills game, and somehow no one could go, and I was like the last one. I was like, well, yeah, I'll go. And leaving that game, we saw a huge fight, like humongous fight, and I was just like, wow, that's crazy. <laughs> well, that's a big fight. Stay yeah, away. I just you know because you don't see that too often actually in stadiums. At least it was a big one, like a lot of people. It was kind of crazy. Yeah. Well, this one was, but yeah, you know, I was like, I was like, heck yeah. I love to see it. It's, a yeah. lot of energy. it's fun as long as you're not involved, but this, this was a bit of a problem because it was involving people who like did not want to be involved. Like it was maneuvering its way into people's tailgates, knocking over grills, tables. And at one point at the very end, there's this guy, I want to say his name's like David. He's just like a 40 year old dad, maybe 50. He's like in, is in the middle of where the fight was. He's trying to like calm everybody down. But the person taking the video is like, David get out of there, David. Like thinking he's about to get jumped on because he's just hopping in the middle here. And it's just like, oh, David, no. David just wanted to, he just wanted to have some hot dogs some burgers. with his He's friends. a pacifist. Yeah. yeah. And he, he didn't want to get wrapped up in all this, but unfortunately that's what happens at NFL games. Not always a uh, family friendly event, especially the tailgates. Which I'm scared. I, uh, I'm going to the Bengals game on October 24th in Baltimore. Ooh, okay. Is That's this crazy. A, is this a suicide mission? Should I should I sell my ticket on Ticketmaster again? Am <laughs> I going to die? Whether we win or lose, am I going to walk out of the stadium with a scar on my face? What do you what What do you think I'll look like after um, this week seven game? As long as you avoid the Baltimore fans that have the camo, the purple camo pants, those are the guys you want to steer. That's like the Ray Lewis fan club. Yeah, they usually have bucket hats on too, so I just got to swerve those dudes. Yeah, I cannot get anywhere beer. near a beer line with those guys. <laughs> Philly is like the one place that they'll actually like be very mean to you that I've heard of um, mm-hmm. as a visiting fan. And I don't think I'd hope we're not at the point still in society where like, oh, he's 
on the opposing team. We're going to pee on him in the bathroom. Yeah. Yeah, Like that used to happen even in the last decade, you know, you got to have trust in the general population, which in the years 2020 and 2021 are at an all time low for me, but absolutely. (laughs) I I think you'll be okay. Deville. You don't No offense. You don't look like an aggressor in many situations no, no. i'm gonna be going with a, a nerd herd like i love my friends but it's the goofiest four uh, three other dudes i could take i'm taking my brother my one friend from high school is a Bengals guy or a ravens guy so he'll be a good buffer he's a yeah. ravens boy oh, and then another guy i know from here who's just he's the most passive guy in the world another Bengals guy so if we as a crew get into a fight like for as nice as i am i'm the one most likely to start it so i, I think <laughs> I, I trust myself we should be okay okay Good. It's not like I'm bringing JD to this game. Oh yeah, JD, yeah. Shout out to JD. That, that, <laughs> that's a whole other topic. But yeah, getting back to this game, the thing that I will remember most wasn't necessarily a play. Well, I guess it was a decision that impacted the game. So this was in maybe the first half, maybe early in the third quarter. David Culley, the Texans' first-year head coach, who many people had not heard of prior to him getting hired, they had a third and 15 where there was an offsides on the Browns. They got 14 or 13 yards to make it either fourth and one or fourth and two. And their options were, okay, you accept the penalty, it's third and 10, or you decline the penalty, and then you're at fourth and one, fourth and two, right around midfield. He declined the penalty. So they're pretty close to the first time. Everyone's thinking, oh, they're going to go for it. Then the punt team comes out. So they declined the penalty to not get a shot to get a first down because they were at fourth and one or fourth and two. You're thinking, okay, you know, shorter distance, they'll go for it here. They went out and put it. And you see Kevin Stefanski, they flashed to him on the Brown sideline. And he literally just says, what? Because I was saying the same thing. Like, what? what's the goal here? What's the end game? Either you decline the penalty and try to get a first down or you accept the penalty and try to get a first down. There's no outcome yeah. there that makes sense to punt the ball unless you're putting so much emphasis into field position that you're putting field position over a, another chance at third down or a short fourth down conversion. I just didn't get it. And maybe that's part of like the deep, deep fake, deep tank the Texans are doing where like the players are. You think there is a deep tank? Well, the players will never tank. But if there's going to be a tank up top, it's situations like that where it's going to happen. I don't even know if the head coach will tank unless he's been given like, I mean, I, if you're a head coach, even if you've been told by the owner, like, yo, tank, it's, it's hard for you to do that. And like, look at your players in the locker room after the game and be like, yeah, we tried our best. But that was uh, still a head-scratching decision. I'm sure he got asked about it. I just don't follow the Texans' coverage like that to see the answer. But the player that I will remember from this game who impacted it most for me was Demetric Felton, a rookie. This is the second week in a row I've gone with a rookie for the Browns. But he had on his first NFL catch this Sunday had a 33-yard touchdown. And it was a little screen pass. He had a nice spin move, a couple broken tackles, kind of followed like a caravan into the end zone. But it was very cool to see. Um, he is a hybrid running back wide receiver. He played both at UCLA. He was a six round pick because that's a guy that they were like, oh, we wish we could keep him on the team, but will there be a spot for him to play? He's been returning punts and kicks for them, but really not much work there anymore in the NFL. So it was really cool to see him like his one opportunity to make a play in the game. And he, he turned up big time for him. So overall though, the Browns get the dub in the one and one club much like the rest of the AFC North, uh, 31. Much like all of the AFC North. Yes, 31 to 21 over the Texans. I think next we're going to go with the Steelers and Mr. Biz over there, losing to the Raiders, the 2-0 Raiders. 
26 to 17. Yeah, 2 and 0 against the AFC North. Yes, because I am a, a Derek Carr doubter. But I turn on ESPN and they're saying he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. So I don't know what to believe anymore. But JBS, what happened in this game? What is Derek Carr a superstar now? That's what I've heard. So he played well. He made some good throws, really, that 61 yard touchdown to, to Henry Ruggs. That's when I knew the game was over. I knew at that point they were going to win. Man, we were we were beat up on defense. You know, we came in without Devin Bush, without Joe Hayden. Uh, during the game in the first – like the beginning of the game, we lost T.J. Watt for the whole game. We lost Tyson Alulu. Uh, we lost Deontay Johnson at the end of the game. Yeah. So we got hit hard by the injury bug. That's not why we lost. You know, our defense definitely kind of fell apart towards the end. That kind of had to do with Watt had a, uh, a groin injury which uh, you hope isn't too bad. And, yeah. you know, he only misses a limited amount of time. He was dominating when he was in. Before that, he had already stripped Derek Carr once. The Raiders fell on it, but he was getting back there a lot. You know, it just sucks. I think it's time. Do we have a King of the North curse going on? Because it was TJ Watt last week. It was Gus Edwards the week before that. And Joe Burrow, I think we did his too early. Don't you dare. We inaugural. If it's if it's been done, it's been done already, Davili. We can't turn back now. But it looks Stop. like he skirted past it because Gus Edwards got hurt like the day after we recorded that one, and yeah. now T.J. Watt hurt the very next game after we crowned him King of the North. We'll get to our King of the North uh, for this week. But Jabez, who what's the one thing you're going to remember, I guess, from this game, and then what what player stands out to you the most for the Steelers? Um, yeah, it's just that, you know, our offense has to be more productive. Um, they have to, they have to be able to score points. Um, we put ourselves like our defense puts us in good position to score, um, you know, but they haven't, they've been real stagnant. Our offensive line still kind of trying to play together. Uh, offensive line, Trey Turner got ejected during the game for spitting on another player. So that's great. Not COVID safe, uh, for sure. Not COVID yeah, safe at all. Um, it was rough, especially as a home opener, um, especially after the big win last week. You know, you really hope to continue that trend. But we live and we learn. We'll come back next time. Do you have a player that stands out for you other than Trey Turner and his, his spitball? Just the help of TJ, man. Yeah. We have to get TJ Watt back. That's our, really our only like he chance might play to play uh, against us. I wouldn't it, with a watt. You drink some milk, your bones heal up, and you'll be good to go. That's yeah. how that's the watt way. Unless you're JJ and like your entire tricep falls off or whatever the hell happened to him. Yeah, it almost looked like it wasn't too bad, but it looks like you know they definitely once they saw a sign of anything, they held him out. You know, Jabez, I got a question. I saw something very vile and gross from the Steelers crowd in this game. It was a tweet that was circulating in the Heinz Field bathroom. That was a fan. He was wearing a Jerome Bettis jersey, and he was washing. Saw his the pants. same thing. He was yep, washing because he uh, he shit his pants. <laughs> He's washing his pants and underwear in the sink, in the bathroom. Now, the guy posting it like made it like it wasn't like a look at this guy. He shit his pants. It was like football is back. Like this guy <laughs> is so shit faced. He shit his pants, and he is now washing them in the bathroom. It was like a yes, love to see it. I love awesome. to see the perseverance because yeah. we all know how expensive those tickets are. It's like, man, even if you're blacked out drunk and that you probably are if you're pooping yourself in the stadium, 
even if you're that like to have the mindset of like oh i can't go home i spent 250 bucks on this ticket <laughs> i need to stay yeah. here and then yeah i think anyone who poops their pants has to be pretty blackout drunk ass out in the public bathroom at the sink <laughs> this brings up a good question i have for uh, our browns host Corey here because i'm at the nationals game this weekend with shelby we're at the baseball game and we're like you know there's all kinds of little kids running around i'm like you know this is a fun environment if you got like a family to bring your kids but i look at shelby and i'm like i would never bring my kid to a Bengals game unless they were like 10 or older maybe 13 even i swear to god Corey, at what age is blake going to attend her first browns game without you just being in a full panic for her health safety and mental state Shannon and I have talked about this a few times because it is very dissimilar to a it's baseball different. game. Very different, <laughs> much more aggressive. And even just the from the presentation aspect of like getting bored during the game, NFL games don't do nearly as much. Like in between a Reds game, for example, here, there is something every half inning where it's getting the crowd involved. Hey, look at the screen. We're doing yeah. this. Hey, look at the screen. I feel like there's maybe one or two of those for an entire NFL game. Like every time I've been to the Bengals stadium, at least. And when I went to the, I've been to the Browns stadium a couple of times too. And it's not much better. I will say the Bengals seem just standing in that stadium. It's very bland in there. A lot of cement, not even a lot of ads, honestly, in Paul Brown stadium. And I just, one of the big criticisms of that stadium. Yeah. Just very, very bleak looking in there. Um, But yeah, I don't know. Maybe see for me, I went, when I was around, I went to a Titans Bengals game as a Titans fan when I was like six. Um, I did not tailgate, obviously, for any of these because I went with my dad. I went again to a couple Bengals. I went to my first Browns game, I was five, but we were in a suite um, for my grandma's company. So that's a little different. I, I would take her if we had a suite. I just don't see that's, that happening. Yeah. Anytime, so. <laughs> maybe, maybe 13, 14. Because it's tough, because as you get older, the kids start to understand what's going on a little more. I don't know. This is a long answer for a short question, but I really don't know what I would do with my kid at an NFL game. It's just not like a – and maybe this is something the league needs to work on. I don't know if they do, because they're not losing money anytime soon. The kids still watch. Yeah, exactly. Is it something they need to work on? Because – they're attracting the clientele they want and what's wrong with that if people will sell out the stadium then exactly and honestly, sometimes you get the bus in the bathroom washing his undies out and you just yeah. gotta deal with that daddy why does that man have his pants off why is that man's well, pants in the sink well you know johnny just like you did last week he shit himself <laughs> he <shit himself laughs> because he has had six bud lights in the last 15 minutes and that doesn't even count what happened at the tailgate this morning when you they got there at 8 a.m. Without this picture, he won't even remember this happened. No. Oh, God. Okay. Davili, you were at the Nationals game yesterday, as you said. Did you get a chance to watch the Bengals game? I did not. I saw highlights, and I followed it on Twitter. So, a uh, super quick summary. Andy Dalton drives down the field first drive, throws a touchdown to Allen Robinson. After that, super boring first half. A lot of three and outs, a field goal by the Bears, or a field goal by us. Anyway, long story short, Joe Burrow, uh, later in the second half, throws three interceptions in three passing attempts, which I don't know if that's ever been done in the NFL. <laughs> Please, someone look that up and see if it has after this. Oh, I've, but, uh, I've seen plenty of shitty quarterbacks. Nathan Peterman, maybe. It was ridiculous. but uh, I think Peterman threw four short, It's a 20-17 loss. But 
in the last few minutes of the game, the offense clicks. They put up 14 points in like two minutes, touchdown to T Higgins, 50 yard touchdown to to, uh, Jamar chase. And it's just, uh, it's ridiculous because I don't get why it clicked there in the last seven minutes. And uh, so I think, I think here I'm supposed to do a takeaway and a player of the game for my, for my squad here. Correct. Corey. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So my player of the game, I'll start with that, and I'll say it's uh, Logan Wilson. I know a lot of y'all don't know who that is, but he's our second-year linebacker out of Wyoming. Third-round pick last year, really good linebacker. They were saying he had, like, first or second-round potential. He slipped into the third for us, and he has he's a great pass coverage guy, and he's a solution at linebacker that we've been looking for for, like, five years. Dude had a better PFF grade yesterday in coverage than if the quarterback were to spike the ball every down. I don't know how the stats with that works. Maybe we need to contact Amazon. Either way, that's what PFF reported. Takeaway from the game, I'm going to try my best not to go on a big, long rant here, but uh, the play calling is a mess with the amount of talent we have on this roster. And um, I get it. It's the Bengals. I'm expecting a nice eight and nine season out of them this year, to be brutally honest. It's not a playoff year, but the Chicago bears are someone we should have definitely beat yesterday. Uh And I really do blame play calling from what I saw from my YouTube highlights. Zach Taylor fun stat is now O and 20 when he is trailing in the fourth quarter. (laughs) O and 20. Let that sink in. So I'm going to get real serious here. I, I've never been a Zach Taylor doubter. You know, I, Mike Brown is very much a guy who, when he brings a coach in, they're there for the long haul. He doesn't cut a guy after eight games, like a lot of franchises will. And I've always been like, give Zach time. He'll figure it out. He's got his team. Now he's got the defense. He paid free agency money for, he's got his quarterback, blah, blah, blah. I'm starting to kind of hear the people out that say they want him fired. And it, it really is a play call thing for me with the amount of talent we have there. It's, it's just getting very weird when I'm seeing the same bizarre play calls in his third year as a coach that I saw on his first ever game. It'll be like third and nine and we'll run a jailbreak screen to Mike Thomas, who is our wide receiver five. And it's like, what was, what was that? That was it. Um, it'll be third and nine, the next drive. And we'll, run a jet sweep to Tyler Boyd that'll get blown up in the backfield. And I'm like, what, that was it. This is it. This is all you can conjure Saruman. I don't know what's going on with Zach, but it's just, it's it's hit a point where if we start out two and six, I could very seriously see him getting canned halfway through the year, which is unheard of for the Bengals franchise, unheard of not let a head coach finish the season, but this dude is on the thinnest ice you've ever seen. And I wish he would start coaching like that and not, and just get the job done. So that's my rant. That's my big rant for the week. Almost, almost too complacent. And it's very strange that he didn't have offensive coordinator experience, but he was a quarterback's coach, right? With the Rams before he gets, so he's a offensive mind, so to speak. And where is the innovation we've heard about a guy who's an offensive mind. They have what three points at, midway through the third quarter it was just not not yeah. good but although i will say that this game as a whole the kind of way it ended it was very reminiscent of any browns game i've watched over the last 20 years where they've lost and we're supposed to lose the game because they always had that way of like almost making it a game but like the Bengals, yeah. knew the Bengals were never going to win the game they just they needed like an onside kick after the last touchdown or a defensive style like a three and out and that's just not, for teams like that right now that are you know ascending it just doesn't happen mm-hmm. versus the bears that are a descending team. I think we'd all argue maybe even with Justin Fields as the quarterback, but 
who, who knows, Davili? It's yes. a long season. I think I do think you should be around that eight and nine, but I think so. As one more thing, I will say one more on one positive note, and I won't go on a rant again. But we are seeing the defense that we paid for. We have shelled out a lot of money in free agency the last years for defense, and they only put up our defense gave up one touchdown this week. Even though we lost 20 to 17, that's a one of them was a pick six. The other two were field goals. The other two scores. This really is. I think they gave up like 83 yards and a half or something. If I'm not mistaken, someone should check that because that might be incorrect. But they, this is a defense we paid for. I wish the offense would put up something similar. As far as the numbers, if you're listening to this show and you expect us to be Amazon Web Services with the right, next yeah, we're stats, not web stat that, or if you expect <laughs> me to be Pro Football Reference and get the exact stats of every single person here you're this is the wrong show so it, everything with a grain of salt we get something wrong you can't you know expect me at 99 we're getting to 100 but i need my mm-hmm. my doctorate in football watching before i get to yeah. that 100 that's where like chris berman is i need to be up there we're all aspiring to be at that level maybe by the time we get to like 50s we will be at that level with the amount of football acumen and history that we've absorbed over the years yes. Yes. Don't be a dick. Don't be dick of the week because we already have that covered. Yeah. Speaking of our dick of the week, and thank you for bringing it up to Billy. You actually introduced us to this week's dick of the week. Again, we need the sound, the sounder in here. And he's a big one. And he is a big dick of the week. His name is John Penisini. He is a nose tackle for the Detroit Lions playing actually right now for us against the Packers. Number 98, big penis yes. in the action on a Monday night mm-hmm. from Utah, from West Jordan, Utah. He's drafted in the sixth round last year uh, by the Detroit Lions. So John Penis City, congratulations. Go make a play, young fellow. We want to see, we want to yes. see Penis City on our television tonight. I want to wake up play. tomorrow to him getting the game winning sack on Aaron Rodgers. We need oh Penis City in the sack. There you go. Penis City in the sack. You'll see it tonight, folks, and keep an eye out. Maybe maybe a player to keep an eye out for moving forward, John Penis. Real up and comer. Speaking of John's, John Harbaugh okay. is in the news for, you know, mouthing to his quarterback, hey, do you want to go for this? Lamar, Lamar, you want to go for this? And, of course, Lamar Jackson said, hell yeah, of course, I'm going to go for it. And they did that, and they did exactly that, won the game, defeated the Chiefs last night in really a thrilling game. And Jay Biz, you were saying to us in the No Love Lost group text that this game turned you into a bit of a Ravens fan. And as a Steelers man, oh my gosh, between the Steelers and the Ravens, there is no love lost, Jay Biz, ever. So how are you cheering for the Ravens? What happened? I don't fully understand it. You know, I've never been one to cheer for the Ravens. Uh, even in the Super Bowl they were in, you know, against the 49ers, I, I didn't cheer for them, but... I was watching that game and leading up to this game, you know, there's something I thought about a lot and, you know, the big talk has been, can Lamar Jackson can over the hump, the hump of Patrick Mahomes. Can he cross that mountain and actually beat him? You know, Oh, and three against him in his career coming into this game. And the big talk was like, why is there this dilemma where, you know, everyone looks at it as he has to get over that hill and no other young quarterback really has that. Right. No one else is like, this makes or breaks them, you know? So, and it's really because they're the best two quarterbacks in football. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's what's most obvious there. And they're both vying as top player in the NFL. So, yeah, I mean, it was, it was amazing watching that. Uh, started off, had to overcome adversity with the two picks. 
Uh, but he had over 200 passing yards, over 100 rushing yards. Mm-hmm. What, what they said it was the fourth time in his career he's done that, which is more than anyone. So it's impressive to see. It's awesome to see that, you know, him as a coach have that much trust in his quarterback. Oh, yeah. Across the sideline, that coach has the same trust in his team and his quarterback. Exactly. So you have to do that if you're going to beat them. You cannot let them get the ball back. And that's a, you know, that's a well, well-earned win. You know, J-Biz, there's a lot of people out there that would correct you and say the two best playmakers in football. I don't know if I'm in that crowd between Lamar Jackson and, and Patrick Mahomes. Definitely two of the most exciting players in the game, though, and, like, two guys that can pull a play out of nowhere for sure. Talking about the coaches having trust in their players, as in John Harbaugh and Lamar Jackson there, you said and Andy Reid does it with the same with his team. I don't know if you guys caught this last week on the new Peyton and Eli Monday night, they had Travis Kelsey on and he was saying how he, for a lot of plays does not have a a route. He just runs what he wants to run because he, I guess they they said to him, you don't have to run a route. Just don't mess up anybody else's route. So that's what he said he does for a lot of the plays, which is why he'll, a lot of his routes will kind of be just like a meandering slant or maybe just a hitch where he just kind of sits in the zone he figures that out on the fly. And the fact that he has to know where everyone else on the field is at the same time, like all the other wide receivers, he has to know their routes on every play to not be in their way. That's just, that's next level. That's like two quarterbacks type of action right there. So yeah, Cincinnati and at one time, Travis Kelsey, Clevelander uh, born and raised, but like that's, that's next level football that that's a, that's a next level stat for you. Take that Amazon web services. Yeah. Nuts. That's an Ohio um, brain. It's an Ohio brain. Exactly. Exactly. Well, he yeah, almost got kicked Ohio out brand. of, he almost got kicked out of the university of Cincinnati actually. Cause it was when Jason, his older brother was going there. Um, see, he said this actually on, he was on all the smoke podcasts with Stephen Jackson and uh, Matt Barnes. And I also listened to him on another podcast. It's slipping me right. It was trust levels with Mark Ingram and Cam Jordan, he was talking about how he got kicked out almost at UC. But because Jason, his older brother, was there, they said, okay, you just live with Jason. You're not on the team this year, but you live with Jason. Like, Jason, you got to keep keep an eye on him everywhere he goes. And that is wild. There, there's so many guys in the NFL who, like, had almost the whole dream ripped away from them. Like, if you think about somebody even like Alvin Kamara was at Bama but never played at Bama, what if he just played it, never played at Bama and that was it, you know? There's yeah. so many yeah. crazy stories like that. Kamara, I think didn't didn't he get like did he get like kicked out of Alabama? I don't think he transferred, did he? He it was a thing where he kind of got kicked off the team because he was hurt or said he was hurt and they were wanting him to practice and he was hurt or something like that. He he again, he's actually on one of the episodes of the Trust Levels podcast and he explains it pretty well on there how he was there, then he went to Hutchinson Community College in Kansas for a year and he said he played up until the championship but then he got his offer at tennessee and he didn't even play in the championship game because he was just like such a selfish thing of like i'm here for me so like guys like i gotta go like Like i'm ready to go there and go start working out yeah he said this the community college that he was at was a combined high school and community college oh no so this is coming coming out of bama there with high schoolers in kansas for a year just to get back to ten, yeah, it's wild. But again, that's just the NFL. A lot of, a lot of unique paths there. Yeah, for sure. Seriously, what if Joey B never transferred? What, exactly. what if Baker never transferred? 
what if Ben had committed to a big school and just got lost in the shuffle and been a second stringer at Bama his whole career? Sometimes going to a small school can help you if you can make a name for yourself. Well, there's so many what ifs with just us. So many what ifs. Exactly. Exactly. And as I've not mentioned it on this podcast yet, as someone who with a lot of Joe Burrow experience, um, I did cover him in high school, watched him play both basketball and football at Athens High School, being going to OU and covering some high school sports in the day there. I thought he was all right, but I didn't really think he was that great. Like a lot of people there were hyping him up because he was the best player in the area for sure. But there is not a lot of Division One talent. A couple guys went to Stanford and Northwestern and such, but there was not a lot of D1 talent out there. So of course he's torching everybody. I saw some kids that went didn't go D1 at all that also torched people out there. Shout out Landon Hutchinson. Shout out Isaiah Geiger. I saw this dude run for 400 yards in a game. I don't know if he played college football. He's probably not going to hear this. So I'll try to find him, but. Yeah, it's just it's wild how there's so many, like you said, Davili. What if what if so and so didn't go somewhere? What you know, what if I wasn't yeah. born? What if my parents never met Davili? You ever think about that? Oh my god, now I'm panicking because I'm thinking about that. This just got anyways, so much in the football. Yeah, anyways, back to football, guys. The king of the north from this game, the Ravens, we all kind of agreed it has to be Lamar Jackson. JBS was talking about it. This guy is on pace this season. I think to have a wild, amazing, maybe even better than his MVP season type of year with no running backs. And yes, they have Latavius Murray and they have Tyson Williams and that they're putting it together back there. But Devontae Freeman. Yes, Devontae Freeman. Le'Veon. In the past. Le'Veon, Le'Veon might be the odd man out there. I know. Because like, <laughs> he's been on the practice squad for a minute and he's not. You know, not any I thought that was going to be one of those things where he was on the practice squad for like a day and then brought up, but he's still sitting there. Yeah, still on the practice that. squad. I guess uh, that beats not getting paid, right? I, well, because exactly. there's a rule where like they have to sit on the practice squad for a minute sometimes, right? Because of COVID, like you can't just automatically be active. <sighs> I don't know, place. man. Latavius Murray was signed the latest out of all. I think three it's like one guys. week. Okay. Latavius Murray I don't know was how signed last out of all three of those guys, and he was playing. So, yeah, also true. I can't call I it. But anyways, back to this game. Lamar Jackson, we kind of all agreed, is our king of the north. So congratulations to Lamar. You did it, buddy. And I think it, I'd be surprised if he's not our king of the north by the time this season is over again. But also a player that kind of stood out in addition to Lamar for the Ravens in this game was Hollywood Brown. He has kind of been on and off throughout his whole tenure in the NFL. And it looked like he was definitely on last night. Maybe that's it's that Hollywood, you know, primetime spectacle turn it on for turn it on for the cameras but we like what to see cool that name. hollywood brown all right so that about wraps it up for week two but moving on so week three we do have a in-house matchup here at the steelers taking on the Bengals. jbs and davili they're gonna fight over zoom it's gonna be a pay-per-view event next week probably not but this game should be close i think so pre- pre-game predictions i agree 2017 pittsburgh mm. 2017 pittsburgh I'm going to say 27-24 Cincinnati. I think our oh, offense will get mm. shit back going again. I think there's going to be yeah, – I'm calling it now. I'm calling where it is now, this, Where is this game? Yeah. Pittsburgh. It's in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Yes. I'm calling it, it now, J-Biz. One of us is going to have a catastrophic turnover, and that's going to be – that's going to seal the deal. All I'm, I'm going to say is if the Bengals offensive line plays – Obviously, without T.J. Watt there, if he's not there, it'll be a little bit different, but Cam Hayward is inevitable. So if the Bengals' offensive line plays anything like it did this week against the Bears, 
I'm thinking it could be a, a longer game. So we'll go, we'll go, we'll go 20 with a couple Chris Boswell field goals in there. 20 to seven. You get one touchdown. Uh, I can't 20, believe I 2010, didn't 2010, 2010, 2010, Evan McPherson, your boy. It's like, it's a nice 51 yard. I can't believe I didn't include, I'll take include it. this. I can't believe, cannot believe this. Chris Boswell kicked not only the longest field goal of his career this week, but the longest kick in the history of Heinz Field yes. to be made. Yes. 56 yards. I did see that. Why is Heinz believe Field? It. Why is Heinz Field so tough to kick in, Jabez? Have you have you been through this? It looks like to me well, it's natural grass. There. I've heard natural grass. It, you can use maybe get a little further on turf. I'm not sure that is, but it's the wind. The the wind that they get off the river in like the end zones. Uh, one of them especially is like a cyclone, basically. And that's not the one he was kicking into. Um, but yeah, it's it's just tough to kick because of its proximity to the to the river. And I think by the end of the season, you get Pitt playing on there. You get the Pennsylvania pl- high school playoffs playing on there. But there's a couple of those November games where Heinz Field looks like an absolute gravel pit. I was I saw this tweet um, from from the UK that was going around of people spray painting lawns. Like the quick and easy way to get a get a green lawn, people literally spray painting their lawns with this like grass paint. I think they do the same thing to Heinz Field come mid-November. So we'll keep an eye out for it. Definitely, he's not kicking a 55, 56-yarder November, December Heinz Field in the wintertime. That's not happening. But uh, shout out to, not shout a out chance. to Chris Boswell. Not a chance. Shout out to Fat Randy. Shout out to Fat Randy. Speaking how, of AFC North how did we not shout out Fat Randy? Oh, yet? gosh. We could go for days about this. I started a counter on the No Love Lost Twitter, and I, he was two for two at first, and I tweeted out the first two, and I missed the last one. I Like, I missed, and so did Fat Randy. The last one for the uh, the Titans there. Oh, gosh. Ethan, how does it feel, though, for the shoe to be on the other foot? It it's, it's just goofy to watch because I know it's cliche at this point. I know that. But I will never forget Crampgate. I it it was so just I don't care how many kicks he makes, I'll never forget that. That is what I think of when I see him kick a field goal. Because like I said, he'd go out to kick 38 yarders for us and whiff them horribly. So it's just goofy to see him suit up for someone new and uh actually get the job done. People forget he was a Steelers boy for about half a season right. there at one point, too, right before we got him. Right. I thought he played for yeah, Bob was hurt. I, we got to keep fat Randy in the NFL. We got to keep him in there. Cause from a neutral perspective, <laughs> yes, yes. We need kickers like him, Greg Joseph for the Vikings. Like Greg, you said he was great yeah. last week, missed a potential. Joseph might already be on his way out. <laughs> exactly. We need kickers like this, like not on your team. Yeah. Not on our teams. I would love it for it to be on like one of your guys teams though. Yeah. Cause that is timeless entertainment. When you just get a kicker up there from a neutral, unless you're just like money riding on it and you're just in there like, oh, this guy, there is no chance he's going to, I love watching it in college when they're 10 yards over on the right. Like you got to yes. angle it so hard to get him. It's like, oh, there's no way he's making this. Yeah. Pick, right? And some, and then, some tubby kid wearing the number 99 comes out in rec yes. specs and like sends one through <laughs> five, eight, two twenty, yeah. popping out there with a thick thigh boot. Wide yep. right. Love to see it. But, yeah, shout-out to all the great AFC North kickers over the years, Fat Randy included. We've got love, just not on our teams for him. Shout-out to Shane Graham. I believe has a, some sort of kicking coach role somewhere. Shout-out to 
Shout out to who's a, who's a good Steelers kicker, Jabez. I can't think of anybody other than Boswell. Jeff Reed, man. Oh, Jeff Reed. Oh, that, Jeff Reed. But most of all, shout out number four, the legend, Phil Dawson. Feels a little weird to have Anthony Walker Jr. as a linebacker. We're number four now. That number should be retired. But the only player to score points on the Browns from about 1999 to 2013. Just a great guy to be able to deliver off the lake. The wind's off the lake, JBS, and that's what you need here in the AFC North, where, as we know, boys, there's no love lost. Thanks for listening to this episode of No Love Lost, an AFC North roundtable. If you like us, well, obviously you do here at this point in the episode, so subscribe to us. Please leave us a review, five stars if you like us, and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at No Love Lost NFL. See you soon.